let's talk about tax commissioner and what you do this there. This is exciting. Huh? Yeah. Let's do it, man. Let's roll. <laughs> Are we going to tax all the millionaires now? Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the award-winning podcast that immerses you in Western Connecticut State University. You know, Westcon is part of the larger community, too, and today we are going to talk about both campus life with co-host Jacqueline Bonomo and also something a little outside campus property lines as we bring in former Danbury Mayor Mark Bowton, who is now Commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Revenue Services, or the tax department. As Commissioner Bowton says, he knows nothing about taxation. So how did he get the job? That's what we're going to ask him about along with a few other things. And here's Pete Puccio. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that I'm was glad, cool. Huh? He said he didn't have any answers to any tax questions, which I thought was funny, and then went into a 20-minute um discussion about the intricacies of taxing people and not taxing people and, and so that yeah. was fun. <laughs> You're right. He's been thinking about it somehow. Yeah. Or maybe he called one of our accountants at Westcon's uh, business school of business. Maybe. I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a nice long talk with Jacqueline. Yeah. It was great. She's uh, getting ready to graduate. Yeah. No, she's, she's warmed up very quickly to, uh, oh, yeah. to being on the podcast. She was a little nervous the first time or two, but. She's off to the races now. It's apparent that she has a better sense of humor than I do, which may get her cause may get her kicked off the podcast. And she has a fantastic impression of her mom, which is <laughs> hilarious. That was great. <laughs> we like it when the students come on and uh, imitate their parents. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Hey, we'll see if she can do imitations of other people too. Like you. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to her about that next week. Yeah. So, fairly recently, Danbury Politics and now former Mayor Mark Bowden went through this kind of earthquake change that uh, will be leave nothing but difference in uh, this region and for you personally, uh, former Mayor Mark. Uh, you left the mayorship after 20 years and now you're the Commissioner of Revenue Services for the state. That was a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, it was. Um, I had made up my mind uh, after the November elections that I was not going to run in 2021. And for a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm getting older and, and you have to start thinking about, you know, you're at the height of your earning power. So are you going to try to go out and, and, and make something of that? Um, the While the pension system is rather generous for uh, municipal employees who stay there for 35 years, mm -hmm. it would I'd still have to go six more years to even achieve a pension. Even then, I don't think I could live on it. So that wasn't really an option. So I had to start thinking. So I was having those thoughts, and at the same time, the governor called, and we had always been friends. We've been friends for 20 years, off and on, and um, sort of stayed in touch, and we'd joke around a lot and stuff like that. And he, he said, listen, he goes, I don't know what you're doing. He says, but I want you to work for me. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't know. And he, I go, doing what? So he said, I said, listen, whatever you want me to do, 
uh, I'm going to stay a Republican because if I leave, there'll be nobody left, right? Somebody should get the lights. So um, he said, okay, that's fine. You can stay a Republican. Um, obviously, I, I've withdrawn from, from politics in general, but um, he sort of said, whatever you want to do, you know, in terms of that side, that's fine. And then we started real serious discussions, and here I am. So I had no grand plan. I think we, we've talked about this mm -hmm. at lunch many a time. You were always like, what are you doing? I have no grand plan. And maybe that's good and bad. Um, it's a, an interesting way to, li to, lead, to live life. Um, but I don't have pressures at other people. You know, I, I was never blessed with children. So that's, you got to get a grand plan. If you've got kids, you got to start thinking about what am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? Because I see it in my friends who are we're all about the same age and they're, you know, their kids are now out of college and they are like doing victory laps all over the place and traveling and rediscovering themselves. So I know I'm way off on a tangent here, but my point is I've sort of just not had a plan and decided it's what I want to do. So it's been great. Uh, the governor has me at the table. We, we discuss things often, sometimes two or three times a day. My office is at 450 Columbus Boulevard. I'm not in the Capitol building. I'm probably about two or three miles away from the Capitol building. So I'm not close to him physically. Um, and we are, we are doing a combination of remote work and in-office work. Um, but it's been exciting. And, you know, as I tell everybody, I am not an expert on taxes. If you ask me, I can guarantee you I do not know. I'll find an answer, but I don't know. Um, I feel I'm an expert at, at motivating people, building organizations, and getting things done. And that's what we're doing with DRS. I was going to ask you about that, about the whole tax thing. Uh, those skills you mentioned, uh, building an organization, motivating people, those are good. But a lot of uh, people who are in a position to hire don't value those that much, right? They want to know the technical stuff. They want to know that you have some background in the technical stuff. You know, it's funny you mention that because after November's election, when I was starting to think really about what I wanted to do, I consulted a career counselor, logical step, something that you should probably do, talk to the experts, and a really nice gentleman who actually brought me a book later on, uh, came in and met with me for a couple hours, and uh, we didn't really, we talked through all things, you know, I showed him, he went through my work history, he went through my resume, and after the end of about an hour, he said, listen, you're gonna, you are a great, you have a great application to be a mayor. <laughs> like in a big city. I go, well, I'm already doing that. I, you can't apply for that. You got to go like win. He goes, yeah, but you could like win New York. I go, no, no, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. So he goes, I don't know what, you know, how you would translate the skills that you have here into something in the private sector. So that was the other, one of the other compelling reasons on this. So this is sort of a midterm stop, mm -hmm. right? So if my last stop in career is to the private sector, um, I'm now not, you're not taking somebody directly from elective office, you're, you're taking somebody now who's been an administrator, and now it's gone to the, to that last stop. Um, and I don't think we value uh, those skills that you mentioned. Um, and I don't think even when we do our, our testing for positions and things like that, that we value uh, emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, getting people to do stuff, which, by the way, is a more and more important skill and a very difficult time in this country uh, history and the sense of all of the, the, the self-discovery that's going on and discussions about race and position and power. Um, you need somebody that can bridge the gaps. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, we have a, a very large, diverse workforce. And I go, look, I go, I, I'm as white as can be. You, if you looked in the dictionary under white guy, I would be there. Um, but I do very well at, at putting people together, listening, 
having empathy, and then empowering people to try to make uh, suggestions and bring solutions that'll help people um, become excited about the workplace. Yeah, and you'll be successful in this job, but a lot of, uh, we tell our students all the time, networking is so important. Yeah. It's good that you had a relationship with the governor, right? That's how you got this job. Yeah. If he didn't know you, he would say, uh, no, I'm not gonna hire him for this. Yeah, I mean, because I was in the wrong party, and you know, understand that when you're governor or mayor, or whatever, you generally, you don't hire your enemies, you hire your friends, yeah, right? right? So, and you know, there's always sort of a, a you know, a pecking order of people that have knocked on doors and donated and raised a lot of money. You know, look, President Biden's doing it now. President Trump did it too, and President Bush did it before them, and you know, President Obama did too. Where you, you know, they, they get all these ambassadorships, and you look at first thing you do is look at how much they donated, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just how the world works. So relationships are invaluable. But the funny thing about uh, my relationship with, with Governor Lamont is that you know he kind of got out of politics after his Senate run. He mm -hmm. did run for governor again in 2010. Um, and we ran across each other then, and we, we used to joke around and, and hang out. So that's that, those, that friendship started probably in his Senate run. And we just, like I said, we just stayed friends. And now, I, interestingly enough, he called me saying, mm -hmm. what do you do? You know, and, and uh, um, you know, and I just never gave it a thought. I told him that. I said, but this, you know, this could be really good. This mm -hmm. could be a good thing for the state. It's a great message to send in a time when, you know, partisanship is at its all-time high. Although, you know, you know I'm a historian, and, and I always tell people it, it, it seems bad now, but there was nothing worse than the pre-Civil War era mm -hmm. as in terms of partisanship. I mean, you know, people were beating each other up in the Senate chamber and yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. So, uh, but I thought, you know, it would be a nice, nice signal to send that, um, we can work together and uh, come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. Isn't it a little weird to work for uh, the uh, for Ned Lamont? He seems like a great guy and all that, nice guy, um, and he's had been successful it seems uh, during COVID and all that. But you did run for governor three times, and you know I think about um, the uh, a lot of the pundits said, "Oh, if Mark Bowden had been the candidate." Uh, against him, Lamont, he, Mark Bowden would, have, would be the governor now. I mean, and I agree with that. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I do hear that, but I always, it's such, such a corny thing, but I really believe this, that, you know, and you know, as you, not that you're old, old you're actually probably, I am, like, yeah, okay. We're, so as we've aged, you know, you get a lot more philosophical about things. And, um, you know, I always believe that fate and combination of fate and God put you in the right place, right? So, and I tell everybody all the time, listen, if, if God wanted me to be governor, I'd be governor, hmm. but I'm not. So, and I, so I'm at peace with that. It's okay. You know, it's not what is in uh, his plan for me. Um, and I think uh, maybe uh, that this plan was to try to help in a very small way, in a very small corner of the United States of America, heal the, the wounds that have, have been caught on all of us over the last 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. Well, so to mention, to talk about that, don't the Republicans hate you now for working for a Democrat, and aren't the Democrats still suspicious of you because you're a Republican? Well, I got to tell you something. It, you know, and I thought that was going to be the situation, but your friends are always. What I have found is your friends are always your friends. Look, mm -hmm. it's no secret you, you've been my friend, and I'm. You know, mm -hmm. I got a text. Yep. You were happy for me. Mm -hmm. So um, those people, political or not, sent messages, and um, you know. Uh, when I was at, my nomination was on the floor of the House for a final vote, um, Republicans got up and said some really nice, nice complimentary things, and I'm forever thankful for. And the Democrats know that you know I just want to get to point. I want to go from A to B as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. 
I really don't care how we do it. Let's get there. Let's do it. So they know I'm all about, you know, driving the policy and, and completing the mission versus um, uh, worrying about who's running for what and what seat and things like that. So um, they've been great about accepting me. And, and the governor, you know, he, he said straight up, this is the way it is. Bowden's going to be here. That's it. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's what I like about him is he's not tied down a lot in a lot of ways. And, you know, people, he is a very, very humble man, by the way. And people, you know, always say, well, you know, he, he, he comes from money or whatever. He's wealthy. He is. But that hasn't made him... Um, uh, obnoxious you know he is a really good guy mm -hmm. and um, the great thing about having wealth is you don't really care what everybody else says you know mm -hmm. and that's how he is I mean he believes strongly in policies that are that I do um, we're on the same page almost 99% of the time and when we're not he's taken my advice and done stuff so mm -hmm. uh, how great is that mm -hmm. you know so it just it's funny how you know people um, can get along and develop a friendship. Yeah. I just have one more political question. Sure. If you can just take God out of the equation okay. for a second. <laughs> the, uh, do you hate Republican voters? Because you, you were the candidate, yeah. and then this other guy, Stefanowski, comes along with his deep pockets, and somehow... Republican, normal uh, Republican voters in Connecticut say, oh, I'm going to vote for him. And, you know, just between us, he's a loser. He sh you should have had the job, the uh, candidacy. Well, I don't hate Republican voters. Mm -hmm. um, I understand. We really, I understand what happened, and that is that, you know, my team, which ironically was the younger, more hip team mm -hmm. in terms of people around me, can um, I recruit them for that for that reason? We just we we're going by the old model. The old model is that you spend uh, two years raising the money and crossing the crisscrossing the state, which I did. Uh, you then go to the convention, you win the convention, which we did, and you're automatic for the primary because you know there are multiple people in the primary, and everybody in the end is going to default out to the who the who the delegate selected mm -hmm. at the convention. Um, unfortunately. For me, what Bob did was very smart and that he went on the air early in January, didn't do the convention thing, bypassed the whole thing, but he was on TV. Mm. And he was on TV every day. And people thought he was the candidate. I remember being in Stratford on primary day and I was greeting voters coming in. Uh, uh, an elderly woman came up and said, oh, you're, you're that guy that's running. And I go, yep, 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 you know, I'm the nominee. And she goes, oh, that's great. She said, um, but I thought that Bob guy was the nominee. See, <laughs> that's how dis disconnected people are. It's mm -hmm. on TV, it must be true, that's it. So it, it's a lesson, a hard lesson that I learned. I wouldn't do it the same way if I ever did it again, which I won't, but I, I just wouldn't do it that way. Mm -hmm. and if I was ever giving advice to you know, a young person, I'd say, here's how you need to do this. You gotta have $2 million in your pocket. That's straight up, and you got to get on TV early and often and define yourself um, because uh, this is a new age of media, and I, I, not that TV's new, but I just thought the old process would, it was, it was a no-brainer. Right. And, and it's not. So, you know, it, it's, just, it's just funny. And we spent um, probably 1.6, 1.7. There was an independent expenditure group that I was not affiliated with, but I know they spent a significant amount of money supporting our candidacy. It was just too late. People had already made their decision. Mm -hmm. And you know, once, once you get five political ads on TV, you're done. Right. See, Bob was smart. He was on TV when there were no political ads. And people were like, oh, yeah, that's, that must be who the Republicans are running. <laughs> 
So do you uh, miss City Hall and all that stuff that goes with being mayor? Um, I loved my job. Mm-hmm. And it, this is a great thing about my, my, like I look at my career track so far. So I left teaching. I still love teaching. Mm-hmm. Right? I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't all grumpy and hated the kids and didn't want to be there. And, you know, and I saw that. I saw that people that were there for 35 years that I had worked with, good people that mm-hmm. you just end up burnt. Right? Yeah. So I was still, I was doing my best teaching ever when I left. I was so good. Right. And your first five years, I, and when I look back at that, it was sort of a disaster. But from year five to year, and I had great bosses. Yeah. I had great bosses. And that's really important. People I worked for were so uh, patient with me because I was young and, mm-hmm. and they were just, okay, okay. You know. So from year five to year 14, I was just on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I left sort of on a high note. I uh, left City Hall still loving my job, loving the people there, loving the people of Danbury who had given me this extraordinary responsibility over 10 terms to do things and and to represent them and all from everywhere from the white house to the capitol building here in connecticut uh, and everywhere in between um, all that was an honor um, so when i walked out the door people were still clapping mm-hmm. so to speak right and i've seen too many people that stay too long and it's that election night and they got lazy and they lost by 10 votes and uh, they, uh, uh, you know, next day wake up and they don't know what to do because in 30 days they're out of a job and next thing you know they're selling solar panels or something like that. I didn't want to be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go on my terms. And that's why I decided, you know, if, if the governor hadn't called, I'd talk to a career counselor. I was going to say, all right, I got I to go find a life. You mm-hmm. know, I got to find a job that's different than this. So um, I do miss it. I do love the people. I do. I am living. I live in Danbury right on Main Street. I'm not moving. And... Um, but I am going to stay out of. I will not comment on local stuff, you know, and on the radio. Like mm-hmm. I, I do a little radio bit with the guys on Friday mornings, but we, we don't really talk local stuff. I won't criticize the next mayor or the current mayor because um, it's just obnoxious when you do that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and you had a lot of people that worked with you and for you for a long time there, still city hall and involved in city politics and stuff. Yeah, there's that. You know what's amazing to me is I just took a mental inventory the other night. Um, the amount of young people I've worked with that have gone on to extraordinary careers. Mm-hmm. So um, my first campaign manager for my second gubernatorial run, where, you know, he stayed with me for the whole thing. His name is Heath Folley. He is one door down from Charlie Baker. Mm. He, he's the budget guy in Massachusetts. No kidding. Right, he's mm. my campaign manager. Jim Conroy, uh, who managed Charlie Baker's two campaigns, was my campaign manager. Actually, Baker stole him away from me because I couldn't afford him. <laughs> so, so he's opened an ex, yeah, a really busy consulting business. He's doing great. Um, Steve Nocera, who was our project, you know Steve, yeah. great guy, hysterical, has all the tools, mm-hmm. making big money working for Accenture as a consultant. Um, Lindsay Jacobs, who, who did a lot of my fundraising, she's now work, working with Majority Strategies and moved to Connecticut because of me. She thought <laughs> I was going to win, and um, she stayed, and she's got a great job, and she's, she's, she's earning more than I'm earning. Hmm. Um, so I look at all these, and they're young. These people are in their, their early 30s, early 20s, so I provided P.J. Prunty. Mm-hmm. Worked in my office. Uh, he still uh, says I'm his uh, mentor, you know, head of the Chamber of Commerce in Danbury, and uh, um, there's a whole bunch of people like that. Uh, Aaron McNamara is, is a vice mayor in New York City. She started in my office, hmm. and it's cool. It's cool to see these people really blossom and um, do well. Yeah. So, in your uh, press conference where you announced you you were leaving, 
You had all those uh, thoughts in mind, I imagine. Is that why you cried like a baby during I that did, like a big blubbering beached orca, hairy <laughs> whale. Um, there's no question. That, that's a good literary thing, right? I got yeah. that in an article. Alliteration. Uh, yeah. yeah, here's a here's an inside scoop for anybody listening. Paul would proofread my speeches and make the craziest amount of grammatical corrections because <laughs> even though I thought I was a teacher, Paul is an editor and, and was an editor, so he knew you could send it over to me. I'll look at it for you, but I, I can't make any comments about it. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it was always, if you notice, my speeches were always grammatically correct. Thank That's you, right. Paul. Uh, so I forgot your question, but uh, anyways. Um, about uh, crying. What's, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was blubbering. And uh, look, it's hard, right? I mean, you, you, you put 70 hours into a job every week, mm-hmm. right? And as an elected official, and, you know, you, you know every corner of the city. And even today, I'm like, just somebody will throw something out. And they're like, yeah, I mean, I'll go, yeah, yeah, Susie Smith. She lives down in Jones Street, 12th house. She's got a problem with the drainage. you got to fix that, you know. I'm like, how do you know that? I go, because I've been dealing with it for 20 years. You know, I just, it's just that weird stuff that you, that you pack away in your, in your head. So um, it, it was very, it was an emotional time frame. It was a tough decision, man. Mm. It was hard. It was hard. But you got to let go. You know, and mm-hmm. it is time. There'll be a very vigorous, I think, election in the fall for mayor, and um, that's a good thing for the city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's time for a new leader to pick up the torch and yeah. with it. You uh, don't have to go out at 10 p.m. every night, though, now, like you used to. Uh, going yeah, out. so I don't have the rubber chicken circuit as much. And I've, I've highlighted on my calendar a couple of events that I really liked going to. Mm. I think you go to some of them, too, mm-hmm. uh, the American Dream Foundation dinner. I enjoy that. I love seeing the kids be successful. Yeah. They, 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 they're going to let me continue to host it. I haven't been moved off the stage yet. Yeah, that's good. Um, so stuff like that I have down there. There are other things that I'm not going to name which ones, but I will not regret never having <laughs> well, I, yeah, I won't regret never having to go back again. Um, I will say that um, I made a point, although because of COVID we haven't done this, but anything veteran, I'll probably still do. Mm-hmm. I served, as you know, and um, mm-hmm. I, I feel a kinship to those uh, elderly vets, and, and we try to help them. Um, I, they did not have a Martin Luther King Jr. ceremony. I'll always go to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just in the back row, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm there because I care. Yeah. Not because... Uh, uh, I'm there because I'm, I was a mayor. I expect any anything from it except just it's still my community. If I can guess the ones you didn't want to don't want to go to anymore, will you say? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> you Here's, know, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the chance, though, to say without any repercussions, you know, the people you didn't like working with as mayor. Um. I, you know, I, I don't want to knock anybody. I, I will say there's, there, you know, certain governors were problematic. Mm. <laughs> um, prior to Governor Lamont, obviously. Um, Lamont, Malloy would always come in and he'd uh, make some crack about you running for governor, right? Well, yeah, look, I'm a, I think I'm a kind person. Mm-hmm. I have my moments. Listen, I blow up. I've blown a head gasket. I've done stuff, you know, where I'm like, okay, I probably should have done that in terms of my demeanor or, or affect. Um, but in general, I, I really try to be kind and considerate of everybody mm-hmm. around me. It's the way I was raised. But um, I just, I, I don't, if somebody's always looking at things through the political lens, that's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because once, you know, it's 9 o'clock on election night, it's over, you figured out who won, who lost, you got to govern. And that means everybody should be working together. It doesn't mean they have to agree, but it means they got to be working together to get to 
what may be the same goal, but an argument about which path to take to get there. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't respect people that look that this vote no for stuff simply because the other side wants it. Mm -hmm. And that happens. It's mm -hmm. happening now uh, on a national level, sometimes on a state level, and um, even sometimes on a local level. That's just wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and we should, and, and people get hurt. Homeless people get hurt. Uh, people, the vulnerable populations get hurt because we're trying to prove which side is better or has more votes versus what's the best policy. So mm -hmm. um, I don't respect those people. So is there anybody, uh, you know, personally that I didn't like to work with? I, I wouldn't say I didn't like to work with. I found it difficult to work with people that viewed everything through the lens of politics. Mm -hmm. I just thought of something that you won't mind not going to. The city center uh, annual meeting is tonight. That's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Cavo is all primed up for it. He is. He is. He's going to be there in some form. Um, look, you know, uh, people at downtown Danbury are passionate. Uh, property owners are passionate. Um, I think, you know, before I left, there are some great plans that are, are really percolating. Mm -hmm. um, one of those is uh, the subway that's being taken over by mm -hmm. Anna, who runs uh, uh, Mothership. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, Joe De Silva has stepped forward, and he's got some great ideas. And I, I had extensive meetings with him. And that, that's one of the reasons. That, that killed me when I was leaving. People like Joe De Silva, people like Bobby Batello, mm -hmm. who just do I – mean, look at the school he built over on Granville Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, those guys uh, I'm going to miss because they didn't have time for nonsense. They just wanted to get it done. And they wanted a partner, a steady partner in government that they could trust that would say yes or no, and then they wouldn't have to you know, be hanging out on a ledge somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that, getting stuff like that done, you know, I'm going to miss. Yeah. And, and yeah, I miss the city center group. I did. I, I got a charge out of it. I, I, I think there's, we, we have great bones in our city center, and I think... Um, I do think we fixate and focus on the wrong things, mm -hmm. and that's nothing I haven't said already before. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and we've got to start thinking about what's good versus what's bad. Right. So let's talk about tax commissioner and what you do this there. This is exciting. Huh? Yeah. Let's do it, man. <laughs> let's roll. <laughs> Are we going to tax all the millionaires now? No. Hmm. No. I mean, one of the things that when I met with Governor Lamont over this job, I said, look, you know, I don't want to, first of all, Right now, uh, when I left office, uh, my last approval rating was 71%. Mm -hmm. um, you know what my approval rating was in 2003? Mm -hmm. 72%. <laughs> but there's still 30%, I want to know who they are, that don't approve of the job I'm doing, right? <laughs> so that, that's pretty good. I'll take that any day. Any politician would, would mm -hmm. jump for that after 20 years to have that kind of po popularity rating. So um, now, as a tax collector... My popularity is zero percent, <laughs> so I just threw all all that away for this job. But um, you know, we had a conversation about taxes. I said, "Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel comfortable having to go out and argue for taxes and taxes unless we've done two things. One is that we we look to cut costs every way we can without really, you know, gutting services. Mm -hmm. And two, that we've gotten the existing taxpayer base, in other words, existing amount of people who owe money to each of them to pay." what they owe. Now, we know that from a million different studies, about 45% of the people out there don't pay any taxes or don't pay their uh, full liability of taxes. Mm. They live under the table. And so that's the crew we got to go after because you can't complain if you're not paying into the system. Once you pay $1 to the state of Connecticut, you have every right to sit there and moan about whatever the issue might be of the day. And I said, we need to focus in on that. And he agreed with me. 
Uh, he has been strong about opposing uh, wealth attacks on the wealthy. Uh, he knows that those people are the most uh, likely to move out of state and take their wealth with them. Mm -hmm. And I never really knew what he, I mean, I knew what he was talking about because I had run for governor, but seeing these checks come in now, and every time a check for more than a million dollars comes into the state, I get a notice on my phone. <laughs> and, you know, we, we pick up checks for 30 million, mm. 20 million, 15 million personal checks from individual filers on that income tax. So you drive them out, you know, by raising it, making them from 15 to 20, they'll mm -hmm. just say the heck with it. I'll go to Florida and pay zero. Mm -hmm. And we're done. I mean, that, that that's about 20, 25% of our uh, income tax base is from these high rollers. Yeah. So uh, do we let them get away with nothing? Of course not. But they are paying. And they're paying significantly more than anybody else. Yeah, and if they're willing to pay a $30 million check every yes. year. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 it makes me fall out of my chair every time I see one cross my, you know, my yeah. phone. Mm -hmm. But uh, so the governor, he believes the same thing, right? We, we have to do those two things first. Um, are, are we going to have to ask for a greater contribution in the future in some areas? Maybe. Transportation, obviously, is one. Uh, and, um, but we really need to make sure that everybody's paying what they legally, lawfully owe right now. Mm -hmm. We do see a lot of taxes that are um, not paid in full. That's the best way I can put it. And legally, some big corporations are, don't have to pay taxes, right? Because of very various rules that they fall under. Uh, but it would be nice to get them to pay the taxes too, to change some of those rules, right? Well, the, you know, the Connecticut-based companies do. Mm. I mean, I can show you the returns. They, mm -hmm. They're paying. Um, because we go off the adjusted gross income of the federal return and, and the corporate tax is a little bit different. But they, they, we are, they are paying something. The pass-through entity tax or PET that you've heard, that generates, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So that, that has done well for us. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say that it's sort of a myth at the state level. Now, the federal level is where they're beating the system, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, because you can't really do a lot of deductions even on our corporate returns. So, you know, I think those folks are, are paying a lot. But there are places where you do see a lot of loss. Uh, sales and use tax, probably the number one tax that people – don't report their full, you know, hmm. sales for the month or charge a tax and don't pay any at all. In other words, you pay on your bill 6.35% and they never turn it in. Yeah. They never even registered for your sales and use certificate. So we see that a lot. That's a problem. Really? Yeah. That seems like something that, or if I were in that business not turning that in, I'd be nervous about it because eventually you're going to come across it, right? Yeah, but what they do is they'll just, we'll, we'll nail them on an audit. They'll file bankruptcy, and then they'll reinstitute under, with a new LLC. And they're right back in business the next day. Hmm. I, I don't, if you're listening, don't take these tips and do yeah. these things. Bad, very bad. <laughs> you're going to figure out some way to get them, though, right? Yeah, we, so we're developing one of the things I brought to the governor. Is I said, look, I said, I want a um, division in DRS of uh, tie-dye shirts, shorts, uh, cargo shorts, flip-flops, and long hair, about six or seven of these kids right out of places like MIT and, and Boston College and wherever, and create a data analytics division. And what we'll do is use existing algorithms, uh, generate our own, as well as artificial intelligence to tell us where the greatest amount of uh, taxes are to be found when we do our audits. So over the years, literally, our audit division just says, okay, this year we're going to do uh, personal income tax. Mm -hmm. But then they don't do anything else. Mm -hmm. That's all they do for that year. 
But we don't know. Maybe somebody's beating us on corporate tax. Maybe they're beating us on the pass-through entity. And maybe there's more money there, right? So there's, there's no triaging of, of what we do. So you could end up arguing with somebody over a $35 bill for four months, um, and you got a $13 million potential mm -hmm. collection here that you, you're ignoring because that $35 bill takes up so much of your time. Mm -hmm. So um, these, these young people will determine for us where the best places are to audit, where we're getting beat the most on taxes, and then also do a lot of research about what are other states doing and how are they doing it and what are some ideas for what, what taxes can we eliminate. We have over 20 taxes that generate less than we, that, gener that cost us more to collect mm. than, 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 than uh, they generate. So um, what do we even have them for? Why not go to the legislature and say eliminate these 20 taxes? It's ridiculous. You know, one generates $15,000 a year, but I got a full-time person on it that we pay 110000 So that's wasted time, energy, and effort. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that they'll be able to do. Um, the legislature thinks it's a great idea. The governor thinks it's a great idea. As soon as the budget's approved, we'll, we'll, we'll be uh, spinning that up and hiring for that and um, get those young people working. Don't you think there might be a couple of WestCon graduates or students Absolutely. who could do that too? Absolutely. And we'll get some WestCon interns up there that yeah. will then turn into full-time employees. And, um, but, yeah, of course, WestCon is always, you know, I'm a graduate. Yeah, right. that's right. Right. Always in my heart. So property taxes in the state are always a big deal, but you don't really have anything to do with that, right? No, I don't. I mean, I know that there are proposals to... Um, a charge of one percent um, property tax or one mil rate, one mil, on, which is not one percent, but one mil on um, uh, super house, super big houses. You know, mm. well, kind of the houses where you live. You know, <laughs> and um, and uh, um, I'm opposed to that uh, because you know we, there's a study that just came out that said that uh, we're number two in the nation for property or for just for tax burden mm -hmm. of our residents, and now. New York is number one. We're number two. I think we don't. That's not number one. We want. Mm -hmm. We want to be number forty-five. And West Virginia, by the way, just is going to eliminate their income tax. Now people will be flocking. West, West Virginia is beautiful. People will be flocking down there, yeah. um, especially retirees. And um, we struggle keeping retirees here, right? Why mm -hmm. would you stay here? Um, I'll give you a funny Steve Cohen story if you want to hear. If we have time. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, so we, we uh, certainly to talk about the policy a lot with. Legislators, and it, it is a problem. It, the, the burden is unfair. There's huge disparities. You know, Waterbury has a mill rate of fifty something. Mm -hmm. Danbury has a mill rate of twenty-seven point six. Um, it's just not a good way to raise revenue, and it, and it, it, it uh, really can set communities back far, far, uh, mm -hmm. and it puts them in a, in a nosemen. Or, you know, is there something you can do about that? On a state level? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we are interested in doing. One is, you know, obviously there's a big emphasis on pilot money. That's payment in lieu of taxes. So like Westcon, the building we're in right now, mm -hmm. doesn't pay any taxes to the city of Danbury. Yeah, if, God forbid if there were fire or some kind of emergency, we respond with mm -hmm. all of our, you know, fire, police, et cetera. So um, same thing with Danbury Hospital, other places. So uh, there's a fund called pilot money that generally is a formula, but it's never been fully funded. Mm. So we should do that. We also should stop letting uh, nonprofits or any kind of entity that doesn't pay taxes acquire property that once paid taxes, and now it takes them off the tax roll. Because mm -hmm. you get this uh, creeping of these non-taxable non properties, and when you look at it, I think Hartford's like some crazy number, like 80% is not yeah. taxable, right? Mm -hmm. So you should say from now on, and I just, I've told the legislature and the governor, we've talked about this, stop the bleeding, right? If you buy a building, 
and you had to pay taxes before, you pay taxes now. Maybe you'll think twice about buying a building, or maybe you can target which buildings nonprofits mm-hmm. buy as an incentive to, um, you know, spruce up the neighborhood or, or something like that. But the way it currently works now, it's really tough for a community. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, damn it, I had some other some other question. <laughs> uh, about taxes. Part of it was Hartford about, um, oh, so you compare Florida and Connecticut. Uh, no income tax in Florida. When you, last time you ran for governor, you said, I'm going to get rid of the income tax eventually and a staged, uh, yeah, roll it out. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a difference between Florida and Connecticut too, about the services that we offer too. You can't move to Florida and expect, I don't think, to get the same kind of K through 12 education either. I think that's true. Don't forget, Florida has county government. Mm. We don't have a county government, so they have an extra layer of payments that you make. And years ago, I owned property in Florida, and so we would have to. We were an unincorporated part of the county, so there was no local property tax. But I had to pay the county property tax, which was very similar, by the way, to Connecticut. Mm. I, you know. It wasn't really much different. Now, if you homestead, that's what a lot of retirees do down there. That's different. It's a program they have, and it would drop significantly. So it's frustrating um, because uh, there isn't really that much of a difference. And by the way, when you close on a piece of property in Florida, that's where they get you. Yeah. It's like $22,000 to close. And it's, you know, the town, their equivalent of the town clerk, which is the county clerk, they don't get like a $300 payment. They get a $4,000 payment, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you, you're going to pay. I would say to you that um, the, in, the you know, if you took, say, certain school districts in Connecticut, they're equivalent to Florida school districts, mm-hmm. right? The difference between Florida and Connecticut is that the Connecticut districts, the Darians of the world, uh, and I'm not picking a Darian, but mm-hmm. the really high-performing districts, there's no comparison in Florida. Mm-hmm. Right? You wouldn't you, The public school system in Florida you probably wouldn't want to send your kids there. Uh, it's getting better in some spots, but it's still still uh, lagging behind. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, look, it's what you get, right? But you also have a very large block of seniors. Um, the Villages has, I did a funny story, I did a fundraiser in the Villages years ago. And it was like a Danbury fundraiser, but all anybody who lived in the re- Western Connecticut showed up, it was a low dollar amount. Yeah. We must have had like 400 people there. I couldn't believe it. And all they want to talk about was what was going on in Western Connecticut, yeah. right? So um, there's like 80,000 residents there and like yeah. 14 golf courses. And, and you got to get a golf cart. Everybody's got to have a golf cart there. Yeah. So, um, you know, those folks have a real strong, powerful voting block, right? So they don't want to spend mm-hmm. more money in schools. You ain't going to spend more money in schools there. Right. All right. So let's talk about Steve Cohen. He's the owner of the Mets. He's the billionaire who owns Blackstone or... Yeah. Hedge, the hedge fund. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, listen, first of all, let me just say, I have good things to say about him. He's a mm-hmm. good guy. Mm-hmm. I did have an audience with him when I was running for governor, but he made a very good point, and I had nothing for him, right? So <laughs> he, he came off the trading floor and, and uh, came in to see us and sat down. First, I had met with his uh, chief legal counsel. It was Kevin O'Connor at the time, who now is down in Florida. <laughs> but Kevin, uh, uh, you know, I, that was sort of my connect. I knew Kevin and and. and, and Steve said, I want to meet this guy, so bring him in. So we talked, and he started explaining the challenges of Connecticut. Now, he lives in Greenwich, mm-hmm. and he said, listen, you, you have to convince me why I should stay and keep my business here because 
Now, this is a guy who's worth billions. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, he's the guy, billions, right? Isn't he like sort of the model for Dan, what's that guy, Danny Axe or whatever they call it? I don't know. You know, the yeah. character. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, you have to uh, convince me. Why would I want to stay here? He goes, I have my business in Stanford. He goes, um, you walk by a receptionist who makes 100, she probably makes $150,000 a year. I pay all my people super well. And, that, you know, everybody wants to get in his business because mm-hmm. he does. Uh, very good employer. And he says, um, but at the end of the trading day, I get in my car, I go out to 95, and I sit in traffic for 45 minutes or to an hour to go from Stanford to Greenwich. I get off, and I get to my house on my 20 acres, and I stare at the lawn. He goes, maybe I go to a couple of really good restaurants in Greenwich, but there's not dozens. There's it's a handful. And that's it. Why would I? And, and I pay huge amounts of taxes. He's one of those heavy hitters. Yeah. Why would I do that when I can go to Manhattan, buy a penthouse, have the Kennedy Center, Broadway, the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks, all this great quality of life stuff. He goes, my kids are out of school. They, and they went to private schools anyways. Mm-hmm. He goes, why would I do that? Why would I stay here? Tell me what, what is good about this state and why I should be there. And, and so we had a pretty good back and forth debate I think I gave him some things to think about. He gave me some things to think about. But, you know, in the end, um, he had an idea. He said, well, and I know where he's going with it. It's actually wasn't, it was a good idea. That's why he is who he is. He said, we need to get people who have a lot of money back to Connecticut. In other words, we've got to stop the outward migration. Mm-hmm. He goes, why don't we give everybody a tax break to buy a house in New Canaan and, and places that are, people are running from, you know, particularly after GE left. And I said, well, I said, I don't know how that would look, giving a <laughs> tax break to a multimillionaire. I said, what's the person in Danbury going to think about, or Middletown, or, or Bridgeport, or whatever? And he's like, yeah, that's probably right. He goes, but that's, that's the thinking you got to have. And he, he was right, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to figure out a way to keep people here. So one of the ways we do that is we don't raise taxes that we mm-hmm. currently have, um, that especially our retirees, uh, we let them stay here and be close to their kids and their grandkids, which is what they want, Mm -hmm. but they just can't when they look at the numbers, Uh, especially those folks that maybe they were a police officer, maybe they were a firefighter. I I know I'm on a rant here, but I look at my my teacher friends who Mm -hmm. all pretty much have retired at this point. Probably 70% of them have left, Mm -hmm. and they've taken their state of Connecticut pension with them and are spending it somewhere else. So the challenge for all of us is to figure out how do we keep people here in the state, and oftentimes it comes straight down to finances. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't have anything to do with state employee finances, right? Or, no. Uh, what do we call them? Pensions. The pensions. I mean, yeah. no, and I, I think, you know, I'm in, I will tell you this, you know, for people that are listening, I'm in what's called tier four. I'll never get a state pension. And mm-hmm. I'm not mo- moaning about it, but mm-hmm. I, I just never will. You have to work 10 years. I don't know if I'll be there 10 years. Generally, the commissioners stay, you know, the lifetime of when the governor's there. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're held over if they like you. Um, but it, it probably is unlikely. So it's not for me, and I can't count my legislative years because mm. there's too much of a separation really? in time. Yeah, so mm. I lost those years. So Tier 4 is basically a defined contribution plan. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I don't know. Are you in that? No, I'm you're in, in Tier the, 2. Yeah, I know what you're in. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's nice, but I won't ever probably qualify for it. Yeah. So... Um, I think they've done a lot of work. It's just that it hasn't bent the cost curve yet. It just hasn't hit yet. It, yeah. it takes time for that to wash into the system. Mm-hmm. We have a retirement cliff coming up in July. We're going to lose, I bet you, 70, of, 70, excuse, 70 members of our 
about ten percent of our workforce is, is bailing out in the tax office. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and some really high-profile positions. But mm -hmm. again, it, it, because if you re and I don't know the exact date, it might be July one, it might be mm -hmm. August one or October one. If you retire before then, you can get a cola. If you don't retire before then, you lose your cola. Right. So everybody's packing it in. And mm -hmm. it was funny. The first, I was telling the governor, the first three people that I met walking into the office at DRS, all said the same thing, all separate from each other and different floors. Hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you, Commissioner. Congratulations. I'm retiring in two weeks. See you. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Congratulations, Commissioner. I'm retiring in three months. I'm out of here. I don't, really don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what we're doing. I'm out. <laughs> and same thing for the third guy. So it was just funny. I'm like, is everybody retiring around here? And, you know, the uh, Deputy Commissioner, great guy, John Biello, said, uh, yep, pretty much. <laughs> he said, we've got to figure and deal with that. So that's one of the things we've been working on is a, a reorg plan yeah. you know, to accommodate that. And we're going to have a smaller footprint, less, less employees. Isn't it weird being called commissioner after so many years of being called mayor? I sometimes slip and still introduce myself as Mayor Mark. Mm -hmm. um, when people say mayor, I snap my neck. It's not me. <laughs> um, and when people say commissioner, because that's it, sort of the formal title around, you know, around Hartford if you're, you know, yeah. working on business. And I even told the staff, don't, don't call me commissioner. Just call me Mark. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you want to, if we're in a big public event and you feel you need to do that fine but while we're doing day-to-day -day business mark is fine yeah your pr guy called me and set up this you know podcast jim and, yeah <laughs> and uh commissioner is available and i was thinking wow that's different it's weird yeah those guys love that i got a nice office though. nice corner office oh really good glass windows so, i look out over the connecticut river mm. so um, pete and i can come up and visit yeah you, you guys can come up and hang out yeah and um as soon as covid's over uh, yeah, really well. It's really. I mean, it's. it's nice. Hey, we'll bring. So uh, I, I do, on my left hand side. I see the old landfill. You know the old landfill on ninety one. Oh, yeah. I can see that. It's a nice, beautiful, big. It's the most beautiful, most tremendous, most big. Melania loves it too. Uh, uh, mound I get to look at, but no, it's actually it's a nice. It's a very. You nice know thing. about landfills. You inherited it, but you still. Bill spent Buckley, our years. man, Bill Buckley. Yeah. I'll put water on the moon. You know what I'm saying there, uh, Paul? That's right. <laughs> Love Bill Buckley. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming in, bringing us up to date here. And, uh, you know, you'll always be part of Danbury. So we'll uh, call you in to critique the next mayor. I won't do that, but certainly happy to stop in any time. Uh, you should look out for my new book called Somehow I Manage. It's a takeoff on Michael Scott's book from the office. <laughs> and uh, it's all good. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, recording live from the basement of White Hall, co-host Jacqueline Bonomo. How you doing, Jacqueline? I'm good. I'm I'm not in the basement of White Hall. I'm in the second floor of Centennial, but I'm having a good time also recording live. How are you guys? We're good. I never thought I'd be debating which webcam services are the best. Exactly. I know. <laughs> let alone would I ever be using one, because I'm not 13, <laughs> but... Um... Yeah. It's crazy. Now we're all talking about, hey, we're going to come back in New York City. They, uh, the mayor said, hey, 80,000 employees are coming back now to work in your office. It's going to be a big transition. That's we're nuts. opening back up. Yeah. Yeah, companies everywhere are trying to figure out how to do it. And then there's all these other concerns about, like, if you're the kind of person that, that does better at home, 
So you stay home, you can get more work done and everything, but then are you missing out on like office culture and you missing out on possible um, promotions and things because you're not in line of sight of the, the bosses. It's a, it's a whole bizarre thing that I don't think anybody saw coming. Yeah. Yeah, none of us were prepared for, like, any of this, especially it going back to normal. I think we all got so used to, like, just trying to make it work that now that things are kind of going back, it's like, all right, well, how much do we go back to normal? Because, you know, we were, if you think about it, we were pretty unhygienic (laughs) back then. It was pretty gross. And, like, you know, but that's what we knew because we had no reason to not think about these things. Yeah, right. And now it's like we got a completely 180 back to like, okay, we're going back to normal, but how normal is normal? Like, what do we keep? What worked? What didn't? And are you going to feel comfortable wearing a mask or are you going to get shamed for wearing a mask? And, you know, is flu season going to be different and yada, 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 yada. Well, just to your point, Jacqueline, now we know that everything I breathe out, if you and I are in the same room, you're breathing all my germs and vice versa. I mean, you didn't think about it before, right? Yeah, that's that's a whole new insecurity and fear that I really <laughs> didn't need. Now no. I'm sitting in like a room like, God, I'm so happy to see my friends. Oh my God, I'm breathing in all their germs and their dead skin cells. My and filthy like, friends. I have a good time. <laughs> yeah, John's a nice guy, but he's disgusting. What's he breathing <laughs> on me? We're gonna we're gonna adapt at one point to where we're like years and centuries down the line we like have like filters in our mouth right yeah living in bubbles google the google filter have you seen those they're like it goes over your whole head and shoulders it's for people who are like immunocompromised so they can go out into the world and or if you're like taking care of a, a family member who you know can't get sick at all you can wear this thing and it's like a basically like a scuba suit but you just wear it on your head it's crazy that's interesting hmm. i know it's it's like we're getting like outfitted for like the the revolution but like in a weird way like <laughs> hey don't worry you'll never get sick it's like but everyone's gonna be staring at you and kind of wishing you were <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right i guess we're ready right pete's been recording oh yeah this whole, this whole thing, thing so it all... may end up in the podcast that's all yeah, that'll work it. out that's yep. a good one yeah in fact, that's that is good. That's what we're thinking about. There was something I heard on the news this morning that I meant to bring up, of course, and have absolutely no recollection of what it was. It was something that I thought was a great. It wasn't the cicada thing that Scott mentioned. Mm-hmm. Nope, it's totally gone. You'll remember it in the last like thirty seconds where we quit. You're like, oh yeah, no, no, so, yeah. As soon as we hang up. <laughs> I'm just excited that it's warmer outside. I ate my lunch outside yesterday. I felt like a whole new person. It is. So, it's that's it. You feel like a different person. Yep. Like I was it's suddenly, weird. I was like, oh, my problems are gone. Like, <laughs> oh, 20 page paper. That's nothing. I could do that. Like suddenly I just felt like I could face, like, like I got a superpower and I could face the world. <laughs> I know. I mean, you kind of gear up for winter, but by the end of it, it's so nice when you just get that breath of fresh, warm air. Yeah. I mean, knowing next week, it'll probably be like a blizzard, but it could be, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> we have, yep, uh, we'll be ready. We have a little creek in our backyard, and the kids for the last, I don't know how many weeks, have been asking to go in it again because they spend like the whole spring, summer, and fall with their, you know, up to their knees in this creek. Yeah. And we finally kind of let them go in, and it was 
freezing cold and like filled up their boots with ice water and they're like, this is great. Yeah, they'll <laughs> stop asking. Like, this is so fun. No. <laughs> My son's just sitting in it looking up at me like, huh? <laughs> That's good. And I haven't had to mow the lawn yet too. We're in that perfect time when no lawn mowing, but it's still nice weather. Yeah, my mom has a pond in our backyard and she like built that pond from scratch. She's like mm. super proud of it. It's like her baby. And you know, all the fish get frozen in there and like, you know, they, they survive, you know, they have their ways. It, it confuses me, but the fish <laughs> were frozen. Now like the pond is melted. So she's like every like couple hours, I'm getting like a picture of like a blurry koi fish. She's like, <laughs> look, he's awake. Like, oh, look at him having so much fun. And I never know what to say. I'm like, that's cool. And, like, you found Nemo. I'm happy for you. <laughs> My daughter just goes straight to, well, that's interesting, Dad. It's a horrible picture, but great for the fish. <laughs> she, every time I send a picture, it's like, reminds me that I don't know how to take pictures on my phone. Yeah. Or she'll, she'll, like, if I'm ever home, she's like, can you take, take a picture? Take a picture of this one. Take a picture. You do it so much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't know i hold the same phone and press the same button but i guess like i don't know i must have some like magic skill yeah same way my, i had a question you know last week you mentioned you're all italian all sides so how should i be pronouncing your last name or how did your grandparents pronounce it so my last name actually isn't very italian i don't think um, something to do with all the O's, I think my dad said, but huh. it's actually Bonomo, so it rhymes with itself. It just kind of flows. Good. I like that better. But, and do you speak Italian? No, I used to know, um, like some phrases and like little things here and there from my grandma, but, um, not much. Um, I know how to pronounce most of the food words yeah. in like the Italian way, but I think that's as close as I get to speaking Italian, which is not at all. So <laughs> I'm just flattering myself here. <laughs> I would love to learn. It's just, I have, you know, they don't teach Italian in schools. No. You know, my, my school is Spanish, French, or you just, you just took a study hall. So. Right. Yeah. Well, at least you can pronounce the food the right way. I, I admire that. Thank you. My mom still, of course, corrects me every chance. She's like, no, you're not pronouncing it with the full, like, zest. I'm like, I don't know what that means. It's just, it's just a bunch of sounds. That's why Italian's so good. It's zestful. It's, it is zesty. I haven't used that word much except till now, but it is zesty. <laughs> and uh, so you were talking about eating lunch outside. Have you gotten anything else uh, good to report from the last week? Um, not much. I, I could go roller skating again, which was nice. Mm. Um, that's one of my hobbies. I do it in the community a lot across from the building and residents get to watch me fall. So it's very <laughs> fun. Um, sometimes they'll honk and I'm like, I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> I got my knee pads on, but I am living for this nice weather. I'm like a plant. I, I need the sun. I've like found every excuse to go outside. I even brought my laptop outside for zoom class. Like, can we have class outside? <laughs> I just sat in the courtyard. It was very nice. I'll, I'll, I'll take this weather as much as I can. Yeah, no kidding. Especially before it gets hot and humid. Yeah, once it gets humid, forget it. My hair is like double the size and I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's most of the year then? Most of the year, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, is it time? Have we had midterms? 
I don't, to be honest, um, social work doesn't really do midterms. We just have like projects or papers. We have no like tests. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure midterms either, I think they're kind of done by now. I know a lot of my friends have been talking about getting their midterm grades. I've gotten like one or two in from my async courses, but um, I've heard some residents talk about having midterms. So I'm going to assume, yes, I, I feel so bad. That's like not something I've had to do in so long. We just have like, you know, long papers or projects. Yeah, no, you still have work to do. I mean, you don't have to apologize for that. I guess it must have been, we must be past midterms because last week I think was going to be the mid, the winter or spring break, right? Yeah. That was canceled. Spring break. uh, I completely just like lost my sense of time. You know, I feel like for the first semester is, you know, like pre winter break, post winter break, like. Like, you know, before death, after death. <laughs> and then um, now with no spring break, like I almost forgot that that's like something we used to have, even if it was what, like a week or two, it was still like that little, like, you know, break. Right. And now like not having it, you kind of like forget you did, but I'm sitting around I'm like, why am I more stressed now than like I usually am at this point? And it's because I miss my dogs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like I just want to go home. You only live in New Milford, right? Aren't your dogs in New Milford? You could go. Yeah, it's just actually like, you know, taking some free time and going home and like staying for a couple hours and not doing work or like, you know, being on desk. It's just like, a, it's become this like big chunk out of my schedule. I guess COVID like really kind of put me into a social coma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Becomes like a whole production. And then you say, mom, I'm coming home to see the dogs. And then you get your two hour fix and you leave and your mom is pissed then. She's like, oh, how you always, we FaceTime. And obviously I'm always like, okay, let me see the dogs. Cause they mm-hmm. can't speak. Like they don't know where I am. They need to see me first. Then I can spend the rest of the time talking to my mom or my sister. She's always like, oh, you know, you always ask to see the dogs first. You always, you know, it's like, you don't even care. I'm like, they don't know where I am. They have to know I didn't abandon them. I could talk to you anytime. They, it's not like I can text them and be like, hey, Rosie, what's up girl, I miss you. <laughs> Do they recognize you on FaceTime? Yeah, the younger one, not as much. I think he just doesn't understand the phone. But the older one, you know, she wags her tail. She shoves her nose in the phone. And then I, it's so cute. It, like, makes me more sad because I'm like, <laughs> I want to see her. Yeah. Uh, well, um, my life. Uh, how about after graduation? Are you going to be able to see the dogs more often? Probably. Depending on my plans, I might move. I might not, you know, might, like, move close by. might move far away. Not really. So I probably should know that by now. But, <laughs> no, um, you don't you need know, to. Yeah. You know, just, you know, plan it out. But I'll hopefully be there for the whole summer, if not more. So That's I'll good. get to see them and work and all that fun stuff. Do The reason you're more stressed now is because you're a senior and you're finishing your final projects and all that. <laughs> I've been I've been like telling myself like, oh, yeah, it's just another paper because I don't want to acknowledge that like, no, nope, this is like the one of the last papers you probably will have to write for a grade at least. Yeah. Just well, until you go real. to graduate school. Yeah, you've been in school your whole life. And like I'm planning to take like at least a semester off before I have to pay my loans just to take a little break, kind of get myself situated. But it's like we've been in school since what we were two, if not mm-hmm. earlier than that. And it's like you know, so much of our like culture and like social interaction is planned around like, you know, being with like a certain age group of people for what, eight hours a day and then extracurriculars. Like I've, I've lived at my high school and I didn't even like, I wasn't even one of those like super involved kids, but I was still there all the time. And like, you think about it now and it's like, 
how do like I can't imagine being in high school during COVID, like doing no. online school in high school. I probably I honestly probably would have drove my parents crazy. Because I was very into the musical and theater. And if that had gotten canceled, I probably would be the most miserable person. <laughs> I know, especially if you're a senior, right? Or even a junior, you're um missing out on the big parts and the whole thing. And it takes a lot of time to do a musical and the productions. Yeah, I think like I probably honestly, my parents would kick me out of the house if I was a high school COVID kid. I probably would not stop whining and crying that I miss my friends. You still have the dogs though. Still have the dogs though, you know. They, they make you sleep the with the friends. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you, uh, besides homework and stuff, projects, are you gearing up for any big um, extracurricular stuff on campus? Not me particularly. I've been planning some programs for my building, but um, you know, with COVID, it's only for my building. Um, but I know that PAC is doing bingo again soon. Mm. And I was considering coming out of my bingo retirement after getting so angry that I never won anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I might come out of my bingo retirement and see if my, my luck still draws dry. But <laughs> You should do that just this once be at the least. One, this yeah. will be the one time I win like a plasma screen tv and i get to come on here and be like i told you so i knew it was my time <laughs> that would be great wouldn't it oh yeah where i would put it we have no idea i'd probably just give it to my dad but yeah you'd have to go home and watch it but yeah hmm. the bingo is coming up i think what else is on the um events list Pete's our expert here. Oh, geez, I'm the expert. Um, looking at, uh, well, this coming week is the first in-person coffee house. So that's, uh, as we're recording, it's a couple days from now, but it'll be Thursday, uh, the 25th, out Midtown, Wreckfield, under the tent. Uh, I'm pretty sure it starts at 8. I think you have a visitor by your door. Uh, that's the producer. Oops, he quick he cut up. <laughs> He's trying to say, should I go in? Should yeah. I not go in? He's just really interested in coffee house. That's what it is. He heard <laughs> me talking about it and he came down the hall. Yeah. Uh yeah, so that's Thursday, I think, at eight. Uh I'm sure there are signs everywhere. Um I love coffee house. I talked about it last time. I'm so jealous as I work on Thursdays. Hmm. So I can't go anymore. But you people are so creative. Like I think and everybody feeds off each other, especially since it's outside, you know. What else are you going to do besides like kind of talk to people you're around? Mm -hmm. It's like my friend did a poem and it was kind of like silly. And then like three different people were like, I think I'm going to do a poem because that one was good. And it was just, it was adorable. Like, like somebody would sing like a happy, like a sad song and then like change to a happy song. And then somebody else would come in and be like, all right, y'all want to sing the YMCA? (laughs) It's such a cute little, it, it becomes a community. I really recommend going, especially freshmen. Like you got nothing else to do. Go sit outside. Like it's beautiful. And you're going to, you meet a lot of fun people. How much poetry do they do though? That could be kind of a turnoff for people, right? Not too much, really. Only like one or two people, maybe Hmm. a time will do a poem. Um, But it's not like, it's not like the most consistent thing. It's mainly singing, which is fun because you get to see like, you know, some people will sing something theater and then you got someone playing a guitar. Like you really get to see how everybody kind of branched out, especially quarantine talent wise. Yeah, exactly. Good. Pete used to be a music major. I was really? a music major. We didn't. I don't think we had coffee house then, though. No, you didn't. So that show was... up on Thursday. You know, kind of like make your redemption shot. <laughs> we'll see. That's a great idea. 
with the tuba, right? Isn't that what you yeah. played? Yes, I did. Not the tuba. <laughs> My tuba's not really played, in working I, shape right now, but... Uh... I played the flute for like a year or two when I was like in middle school, just because I think a cartoon character played the flute and I wanted to be cool. <laughs> and um, I played the drums for maybe about six months before my mom said, that's it, that's enough. Drums I tough. wasn't very good, so yeah. I don't blame her. <laughs> Plus, you got to carry drums around all the time. I mean, that you you need a minivan if you're going to play the drums. Somebody has yeah, to have a minivan it. or a pickup truck, I guess. What else is on the docket? All right, we got uh, Library Jeopardy, Friday 26th from 6 to 7 p.m. Um, the Women's Center is hosting a Women's Center-themed Jeopardy from 6 to <laughs> 7 uh, this Friday, it's a virtual event, and the winner will receive a wireless printer. Ooh, wow. I could always use a printer. I might go to that. Uh, and then <laughs> the same night, a couple hours later, there's a pack Jeopardy. So from 8 to 10, also on the 26th. Um, information can be found on the Instagram, WCSU underscore pack. Hmm. They give out prizes too, right? I didn't say in the in the little blurb I was looking at, but I you would assume pack. so. Their sure, pack's yeah, good about all that stuff, how, yeah. You- that's like an RA-ism, we always say. It's like, oh, well, if you want people to go, you got to have a gift card. Yep. Or like some some free food, at least. <laughs> I wonder what the difference between women's Jeopardy and regular Jeopardy are, pack Jeopardy. Well, I, I used to actually work for the Women's Center, so it's yeah. funny that it came up. I was their intern um, before COVID sent me home and virtualized everything. No kidding. But um, yeah, it was really sad because we had just gotten, they're like, all right, you can start like counseling now. And then they're like, just kidding, go home. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. Even even with COVID cutting it short, they were a wonderful place. Um, They're not just for women. They're working on changing the name. But, um, you know, we say that like constantly. But um, I'm I'm pretty sure the Jeopardy is probably about like consent and like rape culture and things like that. Um, They usually do a lot on like, you know, kind of lightheartedly touching upon the darker subjects just as not trigger anyone but um you know get that information out there um they actually throw really great programs like you um i think a lot of times we forget like we can like have all these like amazing little like institutions on campus like i often like forget like we are really involved as a campus there's like an outreach to everything yeah, I don't Women's know, Paul, is great. have you mm-hmm. ever had them on i know mary beth had them on a couple of times and they were great every time they were here it was it was really fun Yes, I did have them on, and <laughs> I am a member again. of the advisory council for the Women's Center as well. Well, let's have them back. <laughs> yeah, I know they just had a few staff changes, too. That might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, plus, there's I like the part about educating the guys. You can't Absolutely. do this anymore, you stupid... That's right. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> you think you think some of the things we wouldn't have to tell them. You do. Like I remember um we were talking, I was talking with the one of the coordinators at the time. I don't think she's still there anymore, but we were chatting about um because I was interested in like how she does like the high school presentations, like high school kids. And she's like, You'd be surprised. Like we've had um like principals, or, like superintendents before, like say stuff like maybe you should make like a sheet of paper with like images of like body language that says like, I'm scared, don't talk to me. And she was like, you know, that's like a good idea, but like also sit there and think like, is there someone who doesn't really know that? Like, like, do we have, do we really have to point out to like young men and young women? Like, yeah, if someone looks like this, maybe you should stop pressuring them Uh into a situation they already said no about. Right. 
And, you know, talking to guys again, listen, no means no. It doesn't mean uh, move from asking to touching. Or convince me. Like, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember, I think they actually just put an infographic up. It's like, no means no, but also mean like, so does like, I'm tired. I don't know. I don't feel like it. I don't feel good. Or like total silence, which is something I really enjoyed. Because um, <laughs> unfortunately, like a lot of times like, well, she didn't say no. Or like, oh, he didn't say no. It's like, well, were they saying yes, though? Yeah. That's anything other than fun. yes is no. Yeah. Yeah. People try to find like, it's like disgusting. Oh, people try to find like loopholes in these things. Like, oh, well, you know. They they didn't say no, like oh he didn't stop me. It's like, do you ever think maybe they were scared? Like Right. Like that's you know, me getting, you know, no. a little into it. No, you're right. Absolutely. It's like having some kind of compassion for the person you're with and uh making sure you're communicating, right? I remember someone said, I can't remember who it was, but it, that's gonna bother me, but it was um it was like, if you have to rationalize it, you didn't get it. Like you didn't pay <laughs> consent. And I, that really goes such a long way because people will like men, women, like not by anybody like who offends will try so hard to like kind of like weasel out of it. Almost like this is like a playground and you're just trying to get through the monkey bars. Like, no, this is a human being. And like, if you, again, if you have to rationalize it or like just like explain yourself, you did not get consent. Yeah. Yeah. And Jacqueline, it's nice of you to say, to include everybody, but it's really the guys that are the problem here that we're talking about. Yeah, you can say that because you're a guy. <laughs> if I said that, oh, forget it. Like, oh. you know, because, but I do, I do agree that we should involve everyone, even if like the main perpetrators are, you know, falling under like a certain gender, you know, like male, because they, mm -hmm. you know, statistically are, it's a fact. Um, you get like that string of like, but not all men. It's like, okay, but enough of them. Right. Like if, if you had like a six pack of apple juice and somebody was like, oh, one of them is poisoned. Like, would you even want to go near <laughs> any of them? Mm -hmm. No, you wouldn't because, but it just becomes like, you also have to recognize like, you know, there are, you know, men who suffer and like people who don't um, go right. on the gender binary also suffer. Yep. So it's necessary to bring up, but it's like making sure we do like teach boys and men, especially at young ages. I think mm -hmm. that's when it really should start. You don't have to give them the deep, dirty details, but just like, oh, well, maybe don't pull her hair. Like she told you not to. Just that that type of stuff and like making children like aware. I, I got so scientific. I'm so sorry. The social work just no. jumped out. <laughs> no, it's great. I forgot about that. You're right. <laughs> making children aware like that they do have a right to their like bodily mm -hmm. autonomy and like consent and that type of thing really should be taught earlier. But that's just my two cents on the subject. <laughs> no, that's a whole thing. Like I have, uh, my daughter will be three at the end of April and we were talking to somebody the other day and, and they were bringing up this, this whole concept now and probably not now, but I'm just hearing about it in that, like the whole idea of like making your kids hug and kiss people, hmm. which everyone takes for granted because we were all raised that way when you go to somebody's yeah. house, you know, it's, and they're like, maybe that's not such a great idea because it kind of, it teaches kids to be compliant in ways that that then they don't understand to, to differentiate. And if someone else tells them to do that, they think they're supposed to, and that can get into trouble. Yeah. So it's just mm -hmm. it's stuff like that, that you never think about. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially that line like, oh, do you want to make like your aunt feel bad? Like yeah. you can hug her. And that can, like you said, can be directly translated. But it also taps into the idea that sometimes kids don't have the words for these things, mm -hmm. which is why we need to like bring that education in a, a bit earlier than I believe we do. But, like kids don't have the words for these things. So it's like, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. God forbid, like there is something else going on with that relative. They're not going to know 
like the words to say like no they're just going to show you that they're uncomfortable yeah right or, like they're just going to say like no i don't want to because they don't have the words most of the time to describe like no i genuinely am comfortable because x y and z and but it's also like, in the same way that it's on you know it, it's largely on men like we were saying to be cognizant of these things it's also on those adults to understand that mm. not to take it personally and that my two-year-old doesn't want to hug you like yeah get over it and you know like because that happens too when when you know if and when you have kids like you'll see that you, you have an aunt or an uncle or somebody that the kid doesn't want to hug and they get upset and they you know they blame it's like you know they don't understand they don't know that it hurts your feelings they just don't want to do it right. so yeah. that's it's it's, it's also important for the adult like, yeah to know, be accepting of that. Like that but it's really unfortunate how like you know, kids, you know, they do need guidance. I'm not saying like they're little geniuses and we should let them run the world and they're basically <laughs> adults. But it's like they do know a lot more than we give them credit for ever, especially in terms of like things like that. Like the kids get vibes. Like they know, they know when someone's not really trustworthy or at least they have like an inkling that something's not right. And like they hear things like and they understand things more than we like seem to give them credit for. And that's like often just gets overshadowed by like, oh, well, they're the kids. Like I told them to hug their grandma, so they should do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, yeah, your kid probably should listen to you. But if they're like vehemently denying, I don't want to do this. Like maybe ask yourself why. Yep. Again, the social work just flew out. But <laughs> every that's great. Family, every family should have a social worker on call. I mean, you said it, not me. But like, you know, you want to tell my dad that. <laughs> <laughs> Get him on the phone. Yeah, I'll call him right now. Be like, how, how, he Paul wants, said, you know, to be a teacher. <laughs> teacher schmeacher. No, you'll be fine as a social worker. There's plenty of ways to uh, succeed and make money too. Eventually, yeah, people always need help. That's a, it's like funerals, weddings, and social work. <laughs> people never stop needing. <laughs> yeah, maybe keep the wedding gig on the side for a while. Yeah, you know, you just keep my keep my time at David's Bridal, social work, some of the brides, you know. <laughs> It'll be good. You can charge more then. Be like, yeah, with your fitting and my therapy, that sounds like $200. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Huh. All right. Anything else, Pete, that we ought to mention that's coming up? Uh, I, I didn't see any. I'm sure there are lots of wonderful events that I just didn't see on the uh, What's On at WestCon. Or what's on at WCSU? What do they call it now? WestCon is officially think, only think, sports, right? I think right? It's just like what's on WestCon. Wow. Like, yeah, the wow. Yeah. So the My WCSU app or the website or uh, look on the shuttle, the monitors on the shuttle or the TVs around campus or, you know, ask your RA. That everybody knows. We're everywhere. We are. Whether you like yeah. it or not. Yeah, I think that's all for me. That's all I know about. That was an awful lot, though. We did Italian pronunciations, but all the way to social work. I know. Well, you know, we find a way to come full circle here at this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully next uh, week is still warm and we can talk about that some more. You know, some podcasts have like central themes, like they don't go off like ghost stories or like murder mysteries. And things <laughs> like, what's our theme? We all go to WestCon. That's, That's exactly it. it. That's exactly it, man. And what could be more interesting than that? Someone out there is going to know so much about me. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you are correct. That's what makes it fun, boy. I'm waiting for my fan mail to come in, you know? Oh, well. Hmm. I won't hold my breath. <laughs> there is an email address. 
Yeah, if anybody right, has we... fan mail for Jacqueline, you can send it to podcasts at wcsu.edu. If you have anything you want us to talk about or questions or anything, let us know. Be like, stop telling this girl to talk. I invite her to talk unsolicited for half an hour. Like, That'll get stuck in clutter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's all from me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I look forward to hearing it on Friday. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Jacqueline. Bonomo. Bonomo. How do I say it? <laughs> I forgot already. Jacqueline Bonomo. Bonomo. Bonomo, yeah. Beautiful flow. Rhymes with itself. Good. All right, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Bye, guys. We have a lot of more good, interesting uh, people coming up. We have uh, student award winners that I'm going to try to book on the show and professors talking about important topics and all that kind of stuff. And I think next week we have uh, the old science building takeover coming, right? That's right. Dr. Rada Corral kicking me out of the way and bringing in her <laughs> own guest. We'll see if we can't wrangle up somebody else to make it complete. <laughs> she can get her own student co-host, there you go. too. Or even worse, Jacqueline, I go work for her. <laughs> She'd jump ship in a second to go with yeah. Rada. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? That's right. I am not in a good position here. <laughs> The wolves are at the, what is it? The wolves are at the gates. The, yeah. uh, what is it? <laughs> that reminds me about how uh, Bouton made a crack about how my advanced years and you were giggling there in the SPAC. Yeah, of course I was. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm not that far behind you, Paul. Don't worry. Oh, uh, yeah. Only about 20 years, right? Yeah, I forget because I haven't left this building since I was 17, <laughs> but <laughs> it is, I am getting older. <laughs> we are dedicated, though. That's one word for it, yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess this is the wrap-up for this week's At WCSU. I'm Paul Steinmetz with Pete Puccio, and we will see you next week. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media. Engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Folby. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening. Go, see.